A former member of Mormonism asks the question of Mormonism itself, where is Jesus? We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy, but love is this. Whenever we discover a news article or a book or an event that is regarding Mormonism, especially as it applies to Mormon polygamy, if it's relevant, we want to share it with our viewers. And that's our purpose, to encourage those who have been indoctrinated in the Mormon religion to take the courage to test it with what the Bible says. Even Brigham Young offered that. Take it up. Take up the Bible and test it and see if our religion matches the test. It doesn't, by the way. Now, we discovered a book entitled, Where is Jesus? And it's written by a former member of the LDS Church, keeping in mind that Mormon polygamy doctrine is based on the original Mormon church doctrine. We wanted to bring that question to the polygamous. Where is Jesus in your religion? Where is Jesus in your life, in your church, in your homes, in your marriages? Did you know that despite the fact that you use his name, Mormon doctrine teaches opposite of many things of what Jesus himself said? We're going to use portions of this book to make our point. Uh, It's written um, and published by Brenton Laidler, a former Mormon, who asked that question himself as he noticed uh, that Jesus is absent in most of the Mormon teachings and testimonies. He writes about an, an instance about his brother who, while he was on his LDS mission, at one particular time gave his Mormon testimony. Yeah, which we do frequently. And you know what that is, don't you? But after he had finished, the lady smiled at him and thanked him for his genuine words. Then with such sincerity, she responded, that's great and all, but where does Jesus fit in? My brother was at a loss for words. It was in that moment that he realized that not once did he mention or acknowledge Jesus. He tried to backtrack and explain himself, but it was too late. She had heard enough and was uninterested in anything else that he had to say. Wow. That's (laughs) That's a great question. She asked a good question. Where is Jesus in Mormon doctrine, in polygamy group teachings, in the the members' testimony? He's just an afterthought, generally, if, if he's there at all, if he's thought of at all. He writes about a co-worker that he once had who was also LDS, and and he asked him if he ever noticed that whenever people shared their Mormon testimony in church, Jesus was rarely mentioned. He said that he began noticing that fact. It felt like Jesus had become an afterthought, and when any church does that, that church is no longer worth attending. And we could not agree (laughs) more strongly. In section one, he quotes uh, the late Gordon B. Hinckley, the 15th president of the LDS Church. One of my favorite Gordon B. Hinckley quotes. (laughs) As a church, we have critics, many of them. They say we do not believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity. There is some substance to what they say. Our faith, our knowledge is not based on ancient tradition. Our faith, our knowledge comes of the witness of a prophet. In, these dispens- in this dispensation period. So their own prophet, he admitted yeah, that their trust is on uh, Joseph Smith, the prophet of this dispensation, not on the Christ of Christianity, which is the Jesus of the Bible. And this is also true of the polygamy 
groups, sure. by the way. Sure. They hold up as more important than Jesus, their own human leaders, uh, leaders who are subject to gross failure as opposed to Jesus Christ, who is God himself, who is the truth, who alone is the Savior. Now, growing up in polygamy, we rarely heard of the attributes of Jesus and and was taught how wonderful Joseph Smith was and how great and honorable and holy he and his brother Hiram Smith were, how holy and special polygamy is and how necessary for our eternal life. It was all just a big lie that began with Joseph Smith himself. Now, the author of this book notes that God has graciously given us the resources that we need to check out the facts and the truth of biblical accuracy, who Jesus is and who he isn't, and the necessary requirements for eternal life, we quote. At face value, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints seems to have the same Jesus as most other mainstream Bible-believing churches do. He was born to a virgin mother. He had 12 apostles and performed many miracles throughout his life. He was falsely accused, tried, beaten, and unjustly condemned to die on the cross. He conquered death and was raised three days later, showing himself to hundreds of people and thereby establishing his authority and dominion over this world. It is here that most preliminary discussions with LDS members regarding the person of Jesus end. This leads people to believe that mainstream Christianity and Mormonism have the same Jesus. You may even be one of those people. <laughs> How true, huh? Yeah. And this is just is not just a pip is, is just as poli- applicable to, to Mormon polygamists as yeah. it is to LDS church member. For sure. Now he notes that mistaken identity is not an uncommon problem in in our daily lives, our the lives that we live. But how much worse is it to be mistaken about the identity of the Savior of the world? <laughs> then, when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, if you worship anyone other than the Jesus of the Bible, the consequences are severe and irreversible. And we need to make an important observation here: polygamous worship polygamy. They worship their polygamy group, its leaders, and the money and the wives they can accumulate are more important in their teachings, their preachings, and in their daily lives, more important than Jesus Christ, who alone has the power necessary to be the Savior. Now, we can't discuss all the great details found in this book, but it points out some very good and essential information about the true Jesus. And if you're searching this book, is a good recommendation for your reading. There is a section entitled, Who Does the Bible Say Jesus Is? Well, we (laughs) quote the first paragraph. Are Jesus and Satan brothers? We must always refer to his holy word for answers. In Colossians, Paul says of Jesus, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And I like to ask the question, what does the word all mean? (laughs) Pretty encompassing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This informs us that Jesus is the creator of all things. Only God Almighty is creator. Mormonism says that Jesus is co-creator. <clears throat> co-creator, yeah. <clears throat> pardon me, under the instructions and, and supervision of God Almighty. But the passages we just read in Colossians tells us that all things were created by Jesus 
and for Jesus. If Jesus created under God's instructions, they would have been created for someone else. Jesus would be creating for someone else. But scriptures teach that everything was created by him and for him, not for someone else. And of course, Jesus being creator of all things, he himself is not a created being, which opposes Mormon belief. Yes, it does. The author also made a very good point in discussing the Trinity. Mormon doctrine states that what the Bible refers to as one God in three persons are actually three separate gods. We quote, Yet even today, the LDS Church still holds to the three separate gods theory, despite the inconsistency. In doing so, the LDS Church has called into question the omniscience of God. For if God was all-knowing, then why would he create a law, the first commandment, that would be undermined by the existence and teachings of his son Jesus? God is always consistent and wonderfully faultless. His laws have never and will never violate his existence. Since the Bible states there's only one God, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus is the Son of God, then we must conclude that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one personage. One God. A little logic there. Huh? Yeah, a lot of logic there. I like it. <laughs> now, at the end of each section, he, he presents his, his argument, and then he asks the question, where's Jesus? Uh, he said, after desperately trying to find the biblical Jesus within LDS doctrine and always coming up short, one can only conclude that the biblical Jesus just is not there. Interesting. This is also what I discovered when I started my own journey, and you discovered in your journey Jesus yeah. wasn't there, not the biblical Jesus. That's right. And thousands of others who have left Mormonism and embraced the biblical uh, gospel have discovered the same thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the only provider of salvation. But in Mormonism, Jesus only plays a supporting role to our own good works and personal efforts. Now, in Mormonism, we were taught that self-righteousness was sinful and filled with pride. Were you taught that? Self-righteousness. Self -righteousness. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean... <laughs> That we I, were that I create my own righteousness. I guess I'm struggling with that. You go around boasting about how righteous you are. I think is what they meant. Uh, but if you're saved by good works, that's self righteousness. Well, I, I had a lot of pride. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I was in pretty good shape. Well, yeah, you're doing all you should do, all your righteous uh, works. Uh, okay. And yet, self righteousness is precisely what earning salvation by works is all about. I guess it is. You know, it's just creating your own righteousness. He concludes this section by saying that Mormonism uses the same name of Jesus, but is actually a different person altogether. Obviously, a mistaken identity. Perhaps we could rightly call it identity theft. We quote. <laughs> Jesus himself tells us there are people that know his name, but did not know him personally. They will say to him, Jesus, I know you. I told people about you. I went to a church with your name boldly written on its doors but they will be cast away from his presence. Now you can read about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses right. 21 through 23, and Mormonism does fall into this category. An abundance of what they believe and teach about Jesus is unbiblical. It is untrue, and much of it is actually sacrilegious. In fact, it's character assassination, some of it. For instance, only Mormonism and today's polygamists teach Jesus was married, that he was a polygamist himself, which is only a dreamer's myth. If he had been a polygamist, he would have been a sinner. 
Deuteronomy 17, 17 forbids the kings of Israel to have multiple wives. Jesus is king of Israel. In fact, he's king of kings. He would have broken his own law if he had been a polygamist. They probably don't teach that in the... Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. No. (laughs) Now, the next section compares what Mormonism teaches about the spirit world with what the Bible teaches about these things. He begins with Lorenzo Snow's statement, which echoes the serpent's lie in the Garden of Eden. Quote, as man now is, God once was... As God is now, man may be. You heard that all your life. Oh, I sure did. (laughs) The statement is blatantly opposite of God's own personal testimony about himself and his revelation of his existence. He discusses the differences in heaven as revealed in the Bible and Mormonism's heaven. He makes an interesting statement on page 37. Mormons teach that even the highest heaven does not have to be the final destination. Interesting thought. That, that is an interesting thought. And, and although I was aware of this belief, which is eternal progression, actually, right. I never really looked at it this way I, I before. I hadn't when I, I read this. I read I that, yeah. Yeah. And, and the Bible actually has no other destination for humans throughout eternity. Than heaven. heaven. Yeah. Right. To be in heaven with Jesus is the highest and the best and the most perfect, the most satisfying and delightful destination possible. The Bible teaches that genuine believers will be in heaven with Jesus forever. But if you're off on your own planet, which is what Mormonism teaches, your righteousness will make you into becoming a god yourself. We just read the quote. And if you're over there, wherever that is, being a god and being worshipped, by your own offspring, that's not being with Jesus, nor can it be classified as heaven. Nor is it the final destination, because what is it? They can become God of gods, right? Yeah, I kind of understood that in my own way, that we would have state conferences and different reunions and that kind of stuff that all of us gods would get together. And have God parties. Have God parties. <laughs> oh my. Drink the water and, or the Kool-Aid and just, yeah, I, yeah, it's so strange to think about that next step. That Yeah, it is. Well, I it did is. think about it in the sense of, okay, my I will be a god and my children will be gods, but and I'm supposed to be a family forever, but mm-hmm. they're going to be off being gods yeah. on their own planets. Yeah. I didn't think that through. Yeah, you're going uh, so to be an empty, ne- empty nester god. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I guess you have to create your own children or something, and spirit children. I get don't the know, whole thing but, but then they're off going off that's eventually true. too. So kind of a anyway, loose we, group. <laughs> In, in discussing the Mormon uh, spirit world, which we just have been doing um, in the book, it, it, it's far different than what the biblical revelation is of it. Yeah. Quote, this is what he says. According to LDS doctrine, this spirit world is broken down into two realms, spirit prison and spirit paradise. Spirit prison is reserved for the evildoers, the wicked and the unbelievers. It is a place where the people who have not received the gospel of Jesus Christ in this life must await their judgment. 
or being baptized, you know, for the dead, yes. and then they can uh-huh. change places. Now, in, <laughs> in spirit prison, they they suffer pain and torment, but it's only temporary. It's the stage between death and resurrection, a supernatural holding cell until their judgment day. It's where some believe that purification takes place, yeah, maybe. which is equivalent to purgatory. Um yeah, I suppose it's it's possible. I mean, I I think we believed at least before Judgment Day that we'd be be doing missionary work and trying to convert people. But you're you're trying to convert those who are in prison, spirit prison, right? Yeah, that's a good question. But what part of it was that you know we do our temple work, uh-huh. do baptisms and all that stuff for the dead, so to give them that second chance or to give them a chance once they hear. The missionaries in heaven, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. spirit prison, whatever, teach the true gospel. Okay. Very strange. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> the stage between death and resurrection that yeah, he just talked yeah. about. But that's not true. No. <laughs> it is not true at all. Joseph F. Smith, we have a quote from him. He was another president of the Mormon Church. He was given a vision regarding the spirit prison. He acknowledged that during the time between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus organized messengers. We call them missionaries. These messengers were given his power and authority to carry a light to these imprisoned souls. So they're going to the people in prison to try and convert them so that yeah. they won't be judged for outer darkness, I That's guess. That's been put into the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. in Doctrine, what, what, 138? Right. So this isn't biblical. Now, he may have had a vision, and I and, uh, have no doubt he had some kind of a vision. But if it doesn't match up with biblical revelation, it's just... A dream. Yeah. It, it, it means nothing. Now, they can escape this temporary hell, as, as Earl mentioned, by accepting the message, and then they're able to dwell with the religious people in paradise. Now, spirit okay. paradise is where the righteous who have died wait for the resurrection. It's a place of delight and splendor <laughs> and peace. By the way, this is the place they think the thief on the cross was promised he could go. Right. They do not believe the thief on the cross was promised a place in heaven. Right. But that's not true either. Not true. The Bible tells us that the paradise Jesus promised is heaven itself. Now, he discusses the three heavens that Mormonism teaches, which is totally different than the biblical revelation. They call them the three degrees of glory, and the highest degree is called the celestial kingdom, which is as bright as the sun. Those who have lived a godly life, who have lived according to his word and commandments, who were faithful until the end, are able to live forever in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ. And we discussed that, that in reality that can't be. Can't be. Uh, because if you're going to be a God, you're not going to be with them. You're going to be off being your own God. Uh, and if they're off on their own planet being God to other people, how can they be in the living presence of God? Right. <laughs> and notice that they got, they got into the celestial kingdom through good works. That's what they believe. Mm-hmm. Eternal marriage covenants, uh, Melchizedek priesthood ordinances and tithing and so on. In the Mormon polygamy groups, of course, plural marriage and loyalty to the group, faithful to group covenants are required to get into their celestial kingdom. Notice so far <laughs> that nothing hinges or depends upon or is said about the cross of Jesus Christ. When it comes to Mormonism, salvation for eternal life, in fact, they rarely mention his sacrifice. Uh, 
Their teaching is that Jesus died so everyone on the planet can be resurrected, and that's what they call salvation. In fact, their idea is that all people will be resurrected or saved, which is what they call it, but then some will be judged and then damned. Now, how can you be judged? How can you be saved to be damned? The meaning of life in Mormonism is wound up in Lorenzo Snow's statement that men can become gods. Of course, details are in his book, which we don't have time to discuss in full, but he is faithful to bring the Bible to bear on many of their errors. And frankly, the Bible teaches opposite of Mormonism in almost every single doctrine. At the end of this section, he asks the question, where is Jesus? We quote from page 65. Paul tells the church in Philippi that the most important thing, that in every way Christ is preached. That's Philippians 1.18. The LDS Church has presented the world with an incredible view of the afterlife. It is not hard to see, however, that in Mormonism, Jesus is not being preached. He is not the focal point. We are. This is textbook idolatry. The Bible warns that no man can serve two masters, and by making exaltation their end focus, the LDS Church has created an idol above the person of Jesus Mormons have stopped serving Christ and instead serve their own selfish desires. Jesus has been stripped of his deserving title of Savior and has been downgraded in a mere stepping stone towards the greater goal of Godship. And I've talked to people who have left the Mormon church and and began following and reading the Bible and have said that. I just thought Jesus was a stepping stone, just a step on the ladder. He's just kind of, he's the one that's going to help us at the end. and. Mm how far down his arm reaches to help us, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think any Mormon knows that. They don't know, well, if I, do I make it by doing this much or if I have to do even more? Yeah. You just don't know. Jesus is just a, he's there to help. He's not a savior. Yeah, you do all you he's can do God. and then he'll finish he's, the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever that is. And, and of course, it's the case with Mormon polygamists too. Yeah. And, and they've made God into their own image. And doing so has blurred the image of God in which God made man. (laughs) Now, their focus is Godhood, having their own planets and universes, having multiple wives throughout eternity, making babies forever and ever. They'll grow up serving and worshiping Him, each one making themselves their own God and their own Savior. In Mormon doctrine, the man is the Savior of the woman, and Mormons are the saviors of mankind. Yeah, that's what temple work's all about. Mm-hmm. Doing our so where's Jesus? <laughs> Good question. Is he just a stepping stone, one step on the ladder, one more thing to believe in? But in reality, we are not the main focus in God's plan. He is. We are all lost, every single one of us. Lost sinners, each of us needing a Savior. We're lost and we cannot save ourselves, no matter how hard we try, how many works we do, or how sincere we are in trying. Our hero is Jesus. The author put us nicely when he said, and I quote, Our hero stepped into our mess, (laughs) became sin, died on a cross, and rose again so that we no longer have to receive what we rightly deserve. Wow. In God, I know it's awesome, isn't awesome. it? In God's kingdom, we are not the focus. We are the receiver of many blessings and mercy, but we're not the focus. Jesus is, and anything or anyone else who is placed above Him, 
beside him, with him, or instead of him, equal to him, is idolatry. And Mormonism has done that. And so we ask, where's Jesus in their religious doctrine? Is he not in the place of supremacy and sovereignty that is rightly his? He hmm. should be there. Yeah. This is serious. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except by him. What does no one mean? <laughs> Like all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all. He alone is the Savior. If you're teaching, preaching, relying upon, or expecting eternal life through Jesus, plus obedience to your church's doctrine or polygamy, you're on what Jesus called the broad road, which in the end leads to perishing. Repent means to turn, to get off that broad road and enter onto that narrow road, the one Jesus talked about, to start going God's way and the narrow road named Jesus. Now, he doesn't point the way. He is the way. <laughs> the next section of this book deals with marriage, entitled, Can Marriage Be Eternal? Before we look into that section, we want to quote from a couple of Mormon teachings. Dear old Brig Brigham Young, <laughs> No man can be perfect without the woman, so no woman can be perfect without a man to lead her. I tell you the truth as it is in the bosom of eternity. If he wishes to be saved, he cannot be saved without a woman by his side. Marriage. Ooh. Yeah, you got to be married in order to be anything in the Mormon's celestial kingdom, right? Yeah, so right. where's Jesus? Is marriage the savior or the co-savior? Many in Mormonism think that Jesus came just so they can be free to live their religion however they want. But Jesus never endorsed religion. Another quote about Mormonism's idea of marriage. We hold that no man who is marriageable is fully living his religion who remains unmarried. He is doing a wrong to himself by retarding his progress, by narrowing his experiences, and to society by the undesirable example that he sets to others, as well as he himself being a dangerous factor in the community. <laughs> well, if you're single, you're dangerous. Huh? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they'd take somebody else's wives. <laughs> Yet Paul the Apostle was not married, and neither was Jesus. There is no record of some of the prophets that Mormonism holds in high esteem that were married. For instance, Elijah wasn't married, Elisha wasn't married, John the Baptist, and so on. If marriage is so important, as Mormonism claims, we would see biblical teachings about that, but there are none. No teaching in the Bible confirms or condones that marriage is essential for eternal life or exaltation, as Mormonism calls it. Now, we're going to discuss this section on marriage and the rest of the book next time in part two, asking the question, where's Jesus? If you're a viewer who is in any sect of Mormonism, we hope that you'll watch and take to heart God's revealed view and doctrine of marriage. Marriage is less important than you might ever have imagined. An interesting thing, if I've got a second, um, when we were excommunicated at our court, mm -hmm. when we went there, mm -hmm. the state president asked us, I think it was four or five questions, and I'll, I'll say them now so that you'll know which ones, but he says, we want to ask you, do you believe in the Book of Mormon? No, we don't. Do you believe Joseph Smith was a prophet? No, we don't. Do you believe in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the only true church? No, we don't. And do you believe that President, I think it was Monson at the time, do you believe that he's the prophet of, of the Lord? And we said no to all those things. Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks later, Carla and I are reviewing this whole thing, and we come up with the, we were asked all these questions, 
Well, here we are, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they didn't once ask us about Jesus. Not one question about how did, him. How did we feel about Jesus? Wow. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that so, interesting? It's so telling exactly what this gentleman's saying. Mm -hmm. um, where's Jesus? Yeah, they it is. They didn't even ask us about it. It is. And I think we're going to talk about it next time in part two. Uh, but that's totally different than what Jesus said when he said in John 8, uh, I think it's 24, if you do not believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. And where I go, you cannot come. He didn't say if you believe in the LDS church or if you believe in all that. He says you have or to polygamy. believe who I am. <laughs> right. Right. Thanks, Earl. Thanks yeah. for sharing. It's so important. I, I think I've told that where before. Is but anyway. It's, yeah. But it's so relevant it's so to this. so personal to me that, yeah. that they wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, and we have heard many from the Mormon faith say that they have a great personal relationship with their Savior, and we don't claim to know their hearts because we don't, but most of them just plain refuse to acknowledge that Mormon doctrine could possibly be in error. We also know that anyone who believes in and lives according to Mormon teachings cannot have a right relationship with the Jesus of our salvation. It's impossible. Because here it is, Jesus cannot lie. And he said in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am he, where I go, you cannot come. And Mormon polygamy doctrine does not believe Jesus is God Almighty, the only God in existence. That's who he is. Nor do they believe he is their exclusive savior because they add too many works of their own, which shows that they depend upon their own self-righteousness for eternal life. The Bible says it's all grace and no works. So why don't you just turn to Jesus and forget Satan's brother and toss out polygamy and reject the Book of Mormon. Just take Jesus and him alone. He's your only hope. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.